2: Wow, my wow. wow. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's me, your man MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer Michael Fabiano. No Graham Barfield today. He is—he uh, is sunning himself down in Orange County somewhere.
3: Yeah, I think he's with uh, with his with his parents. His parents are in town, Newport Beach. Yeah, yeah. I told him to go to Balboa Peninsula. If you've if you've never done that, like Eddie, you guys
2: have never. I've been there. Yeah, it's really cool. Which I reminded him. That's pretty cool. or I guess let him know that uh, that is where for folks who are fans of Arrested Development, that is where they shot. Yeah. A lot of the scenes with the banana stand. Yeah. Um, the banana stand itself is not there. Um, I think it pops up every once in. A, I think they take it around and mm-hmm. it shows up, but uh, on a daily basis, it is not there. But uh,
3: you know, they shot scenes from Arrested Development at a restaurant called the Warehouse in Marina Del Rey. Did you know that?
2: Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. But okay. I, know where, I know where the Warehouse
3: yeah. is. I have been there. Yep. I have been They there actually shot. They actually shot uh, The uh, one of the episodes of Dead to Me on Netflix at the restaurant. And I don't know if you saw it, but basically it's it's where Christina Applegate uh, sort of confirms that her husband had been cheating on her, and that was
2: the warehouse. Oh, was that the warehouse? Okay, that's the I warehouse. Have, I've yeah. seen that episode up, up on
3: the second floor. Yeah.
2: Uh, before we get too far into the show, let's go behind the glass, talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Murphy, I know you watch some of these shows, right?
4: I do watch Arrested Development. I'm actually just looking up the warehouse right next. I'm pretty sure I've been there. It's once. a great
3: spot,
2: man. I love it. I've,
3: I've been, been there a million. I've been there times. for
2: brunch. It's not bad.
4: Yeah,
3: that's yeah. The brunch uh, is ridiculous. It looks, it
4: looks kind of familiar. That, yeah, that's awesome. Um, it's
3: uh, on at Admiral- Way okay
4: yeah yeah and uh, yeah and on the topic too of Graham being on vacation it's like people always love to take vacations like oh I want to leave the country want to go places if you like literally live in California alone there is. You could travel to certain parts of it, and you would take up years of your life just going. There's so many things to do mm-hmm. right over by us too. So it's like I, I, I've been here for three ish years now, and I I still have not even gone to like San Diego property yet. Like there's still <laughs> so much to do here. So it's like I want to hold off on leaving the United States and just finish up California first.
2: Yeah, I you know a couple of years ago I took a staycation. You know I didn't come to work and I just stayed at home, and it was maybe the best week of my life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So uh, absolutely. So uh, but we're gonna talk about today we will have another update of our Todd Gurley watch. Um, Because, you know, why not? Uh, But also excited to have Bob Harris joining us. Uh, You can read his work over at Football Die Hard. You can listen to his show on SiriusXM. Bob's a great guy, has plenty of insight and knowledge, and he just finished a mock draft with us uh, just yesterday. So want to get his thoughts on his mock draft and some of the guys he is looking at and maybe some of the guys that he's avoiding as well. But in the meantime, let's do some news. The news. Let's start in Pittsburgh. There's been a lot of news coming out of the Steelers camp so far this offseason. Uh, Dante Moncrief says the Steelers wide receiver room will be electric. Uh, in fact, reports are that he's been maybe the best receiver in camp so far this summer. David DeCastro is saying that the Steelers are, quote, more team oriented now. It is a not so veiled shot at uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell no longer being there. Uh, Fabs, we've heard reports that uh, you know their general managers says that maybe they will run more of a running back committee. We see Dante Moncrief playing well. Uh, It makes me wonder, are we starting to overdraft maybe Juju Smith and James Conner if so many other guys are going to be in the mix this year?
3: I I don't think so, because I still think Conner is going to be the focal point uh, of the offense in terms of the backfield. We've heard reports about them maybe using a little bit more of Jalen Samuels. And of course, they they drafted Benny Snell. But if you look at Mike Tomlin's uh, historical data, it always comes back to a featured back. Uh, in that offense, so I'm not worried about... Connors is going in the first round now, late first mm-hmm. round. I've seen him in several mocks go ahead to Todd Gurley, which we'll also talk about. And Juju is going to go in the second round, and uh, and I think a lot of it is what he's shown us in his first two seasons, plus targets. Yeah. Antonio Brown leaves a lot of targets behind. The, the one player that I'm seeing who is really jumping up in mock drafts, and I'm sure the best ball community is all over this guy, is James Washington. I was in a mock... Uh, Last night, actually, we're playing it out, um it was with Bob, and I'm pretty sure Washington went in the seventh round.
2: Wow. Yeah, and that's a name that, that I don't think we've mentioned quite as much lately, but he just seems to be the next one in line, at least on paper. Uh, with A.B. gone, Juju moving up to the number one spot, it, it just seems like Washington would be moving up to that number two slot. Although, if this news about Dante Moncrief is to be believed, right. uh, then maybe we'll see his, his ADP move up a little bit. Right, and,
3: and you would think... That the value, if Washington is moving so far up so quickly, is in Moncrief because he's going to be like one of the last three right. rounds. Right. He'll be there.
2: Right now he's uh, on Fantasy Football Calculator. He's 13th, Right. round 13.
3: And Washington is just zooming up. So if you don't want to, to take a risk on Washington at 7th, 8th round cost... Then Moncrief is a is a fallback and a much cheaper one later on the draft.
2: Speaking of wide receivers, Aaron Rodgers reportedly wants to throw the ball to Devontae Adams more. Yes, please. I'm totally cool with that. Yes, please. Um, you know, I had been going since the end of last season, probably since late in last season. I, I sort of decided that that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be my wide receiver one. Um, but man, if they're gonna throw Devontae Adams more. <laughs> Maybe I need to rethink that. How
3: much more can he throw? I mean, <laughs> what do you have? 111 catches last year, 13 touchdowns. He was uh, our wide receiver, too. And he was probably the most consistent wide receiver every single week you were getting production from Devontae Adams. And we know one thing about Aaron Rodgers. He can't chug a beer, but he can't chug the football. <laughs> so I think this is a heck. I mean, I don't know how much more you can throw to him. I don't know if he hit his ceiling he had, last he had 169
2: season. 169 targets. It's last. ridiculous.
3: So, the, hey. What do you take out of this, Edward? He draft Devontae Adams at the end of the first round, and if he falls sitting in the second round in a PPR league... Then it's a blessing. Yes, sir.
2: Um, with the rest of that wide receiver core, though, is there anybody there, you know, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Equinemius St. Brant, who I, I'm calling, like, the alphabet crew because there's yes. just so many letters in all yes. the names. Um, I mean, is there anybody else there that you would maybe take a, a dart throw at late in the draft? The guy you didn't mention, Geronimo Allison. Yeah. So...
3: Uh, we did our mock draft. I did a draft uh, also with diehards. And Allison was the second wide receiver to come off the board uh, from Green Bay's roster in both of those drafts. I think Michael Florio uh, took him in our draft, um, and he went uh, second among Green Bay wide receivers yesterday. So so Allison would be the guy that I would be going after, and then uh, a late flyer on, on uh, Valdez-Scantling as well.
2: Uh, down to Carolina, Ron Rivera says Cam Newton's return is quote, the first step of many. Now that first step was coming out and I love they said unveiling a new throwing motion. I mean, it was like, it was like a premiere of a new <laughs> Avengers movie, the way it was hyped up on Twitter. I know like, they
3: like had video of it, right? Video,
2: like live video of it. Uh, I mean, I saw it after the fact, I will say that I have not studied cams throwing motion enough to know what is new or different about it. Um, you know, and I know that if you dig around on Twitter, you can find plenty of people who are tape eaters who have broken it down and can tell you what is different now versus uh, what we've seen in the past. Um, I guess my, my only question is look, is cam healthy and will cam be running? Cause you know, every year we hear yeah, a, that he might not run as much and that his accuracy is kind of a problem. If cam Newton is healthy, um, I mean, I feel like he's kind of getting underdrafted for for who he potentially can be. I mean, he's what QB? He's he's uh, what? He's a ninth round guy. Not a surprise there. But I mean, mm-hmm. he's you know right now coming off the board reportedly after guys like uh, Philip Rivers and Jared Goff and and you know Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's not that's not Newton is right.
3: I mean, he's a top five fantasy quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, keep in mind, he's coming off a season where he only rushed for 488 yards and four touchdowns. And and the previous season, he was over seven, seven fifty and he had six. And part of part of what happened with Cam Newton, obviously, he wasn't healthy. If you watched Carolina football at the end of last season and watched Cam Newton try to throw the ball. I mean, he made Tim Tebow look like Peyton Manning. Let's put it that way. It was (laughs) it it was bad. It was bad. So. If he's back and healthy, uh, obviously that's going to – I love DJ Moore. I think Curtis Samuel is a worthwhile uh, late-round guy. Uh, he's got talent around him. He's got Christian McCaffrey, who – I mean, this dude looks like Captain America now. His guns are <laughs> the the center, showing him all over the internet. But if Cam is back to being Cam, and which we all, we all kind of hope he is – Remember, that's also going to have a trickle-down effect on McCaffrey because Mm -hmm. how many times last year did we see Carolina's offense gets inside the five-yard line and you're thinking, oh, oh, Cam's going to punch it in here, and they never gave it to him because he wasn't healthy. They were giving the ball to McCaffrey. McCaffrey was the guy. And so if Cam is healthy and they're going to utilize him a little bit more near the goal line, maybe there's a little regression with McCaffrey. I don't know that that's going to happen, but certainly cam newton's health is something that we need to watch and monitor over the next several weeks and months as we're leading up to training camp which i mean guys next month
2: next month yeah um you know along those lines too the last day or two i've seen a lot of curtis samuel hype um i like him man i had him at the end of last season i liked him i like him too at least i like his skills i feel like he's one of those guys that they haven't found a real role for him yet. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my issue with him is that it's not about his ability. It's just about that he just hasn't seen – he's sort of in that, you know, kind of that Duke Johnson where he kind of does a little bit of everything but doesn't necessarily get a lot of opportunity at one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess if if Norv Turner would just come out and, you know, call us on the show and say, hey, look, Curtis Sam is going to do X, Y, and Z, I guess I'd be more excited
3: Yeah, about and it. you know what? I think Norv is probably at home pining for us to call him. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sure. But you also lost targets with Funchess going to Indianapolis. True. So – Maybe
2: there'll be some more opportunities. Um, over in Philadelphia, Deuce Staley says the Eagles will continue with the running back by committee approach. Yay! Wonderful. Yay! Um, just, just what I was trying to talk myself into, Miles Sanders. You know, <laughs> I was like really starting to get kind of excited yeah. about Miles Sanders. Um, and look, I. I, I I knew that there wasn't going to be one straight up RB one there. There's going to be a couple of guys, but now my fear is with all the guys they have that everybody gets a turn and suddenly none of those guys has any real value. Yeah. Because
3: I mean, you know, we, we've seen it, uh, all over, uh, the, the world wide web. I mean, when you talk about the Eagles backfield committee situation, committee situation, that's what we had, you know, last season, uh, you know, until Adams kind of took over a little bit, but then he, he, he really couldn't get the job done down the stretch and, you know, Sanders Everyone talks about him being, uh, he's an electric back. He's a versatile back, a guy who maybe would have made some more noise in college if he hadn't been playing behind a certain running back named Saquon Barkley at Never Penn heard State. Of but Jordan, I mean, like, I get it. Like, everyone in the industry loves to crap on Jordan Howard. I get it. Okay. Like, but the guy, like, from a, uh, he's not a great pass catcher. But although we have heard this offseason that, you know, he said, the Eagles are going to utilize him in more than one facet. So maybe he's okay. going to see, I don't know. So that, what is
2: a blocker? I don't know. I, right, I don't know if <laughs> that that's
3: true, but I mean, like, Jordan Howard's is not like an old dude. I mean, you know, the, the guy's been in the, in the league, what three years. So he's still going to get his touches. And, and so I, I, that's why I feel like, like Sanders going maybe in the sixth, seventh round and a 12 team league. I could see it. Um, But I'm not going to invest too much capital in him in redrafts because I really feel like at the end of the day, unless there's an injury, you know, Miles Sanders is going to be sharing the workload with Jordan Howard. And in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if in week one, Jordan Howard is a starter and Miles Sanders is behind him on the depth
2: chart. We'll see. Well, Well, and the other part of that is, I mean, Jordan Howard, if he is the, you know, continues to be the big bruiser, he has been. Goal line the goal line guy. Yep, he's the touchdown guy. Potentially, yep. when they so, get down know, there. you know, and we talk
3: about the 49ers backfield being one that you might want to avoid, right? Uh, to a lesser degree, the Eagles' backfield, and, and they've got some other guys there too. You know, Corey Clement too. So that that could be one where we like the talent with Sanders, but we're, we're underestimating the the impact and the role that Jordan Howard could see in this offense. Yeah,
2: I think I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, speaking of running backs by committee and guys trying to get a bigger share of the pie, there, Rashad Penny. Uh, says he's feeling grown up, basically, and he wants to get better in his second year. I have been of the opinion since late last season that Pete Carroll is going to give Rashad Penny every opportunity to try and be successful. And, and Chris Carson is still going to get his, but... I just have a feeling that, you know, in training camp, Rashad is going to get a lot of opportunities, and he's going to be given every opportunity to become the starter because, look, they... they to made become they the starter, it. huh? To become the starter. Wow. I mean, okay. look, and I'm not saying it'll happen, but I think you're going to see him get a lot of opportunity this, this Carson season.
3: Carson was so good last season. He was so good. Um, Yeah, I, I, I there's, there's no way that... Penny is not going to get more touches in this offense unless he completely falls on his face. And I don't really expect that to happen. So we could see a one-two punch. I think we will see a one-two punch. I think Carson will still lead the team in backfield touches. But Penny's going to put a dent there. The good news is that if we look at what Seattle did last season, they ran the ball a lot. A lot. I mean, yep. Russell Wilson didn't run the ball as much as we'd like him to, <laughs> so uh, or, or gain as many rushing yards. But Carson, uh, Penny, they're, they're going to get their touches. I think Carson is still the player to target if you want to go in terms of a value. Uh, then Penny would be the guy uh, that you're going after because he's probably not going to come off the board until after the eighth round.
2: So, yeah, that's one. That's another one. Those those, those guys. It's so hard. This this has been a year where I've just decided. I'm going heavy wide receivers in my draft mm-hmm. just because there's so many of these yeah. these committee situations. And I feel like it'll be you know week two or three before we start to sort these out. And the and, draft made it worse. Right. And
3: the, Because yeah. we, have, we have so much. I, I would argue that maybe we have more running back talent, young running back talent in the league than we've had in a long, long time. Now, while that's good for each respective team who may have one or two guys that they can really lean on from a fantasy standpoint, you know, we all want every backfield to be the Cowboys where we know right. getting <laughs> football, but you've got the bears. Uh, they've got three guys now, you know, we all love yep. David Montgomery, but Cohen's going to be going to be there. They still got Mike Davis, you know, Philadelphia, San Francisco. So, and, and when, when Kareem Hunt comes back, Cleveland could end up being a mess. So uh, to me, and you know, I'm the running back truther. I'm I'm making sure I'm locking down at least one guy that I know right. is going to get the touches. Um, but to your point, in the draft that I did yesterday, I had the fourth pick. I took uh, I took Kamara. Uh, I was hoping to get Zeke. He didn't fall to me, and I, I took one more running back in the fir- in the la- in the next five rounds. So I ended up with Thielen, Keenan Allen, um, Tyler Lockett, and Jarvis Landry, and that's why my number three running back was LeSean McCoy yeah. because. Um, I just, I saw the value in wide receivers and it's a PPR league Um, because why wouldn't it be? And so I think you're going to see that. So you're going to see like once you get into like round five, round six, round seven, people are going to start kind of like throwing darts at like running back committee uh, situations, you know, like Penny, like Miles Sanders, for example.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, you talk about the draft. I feel like, teams drafted a lot of running back talent but they did it to add depth to what they already had there Mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't help us in any way shape or form exactly so i mean i've gone into drafts trying to get like you said trying to get one guy at least that you know is going to get about a lot of touches at least having a second running back that you can feel okay about and then from there on you know if if i see a running back that i still like maybe i'll grab him but other than that i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm just going wide receiver heavy so there you go that's pretty much everything you need to know that was the news hey it's time for another edition of Todd Gurley watch (laughs) because hey why not I mean it it has been the thing that has vexed us so far all summer it will continue to vex us until we get to the start of the regular season but uh, our man Maurice Jones Drew who uh, you see here on NFL Network in fact on NFL Fantasy Live on occasion uh, he also doubles as the Rams radio analyst and uh, he says Todd Gurley uh, well, told him, or at least the Rams told him, that the, they want to keep Todd Gurley fresh all year round. In fact, he was on NFL Network, uh, and he said just that.
5: What the Rams are doing now, and I think there's a lot of attention on what they're doing because it's really important what they're doing. They're, a, they're they're customizing their plans for each player. So Todd has a plan to be ready throughout the course of the season. They want to make sure that they don't run Todd as much as they did last year and the year before all the way to where he can't perform the last two games of the year. He has to take a rest to get him prepared for the playoffs. They want to make sure he's fresh year-round. And I think that's important because Todd Gurley is an exceptional player. One of the best, led the league and in touchdowns the last two years. And we don't want to have to go, even as great as C.J. Anderson was, they don't want to have to go and find a guy off the street to come on and play and then get running again. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. want to do that. So the plan starts with drafting Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. You go and draft him. Okay, now Todd has a guy where... Last year, Todd was on the field 80 plus percent of the time. You don't want that. You want Todd to be able to come in and be explosive in, in spurts. Malcolm Brown got hurt. Todd had to take over, be the only guy. They only had two backs up that were active. Now you'll go to three to four backs that'll be active. From there, we're not going to run Todd in OTAs and, and you know have the you know him getting tread on the tires in OTAs. I wouldn't be surprised gonna, if he doesn't put on a helmet until week one well, and, and expect that because I think Coach McVay has come out and said that. So this plan has been laid out between Todd. His personal trainer and Coach McVeigh and the organization on what they're gonna do, and they've all bought into it and they're all working well to do. It. And it's not only Todd that has his custom workout, other players have it as well. So Sean McVeigh is doing something that's unprecedented in the NFL, doing custom workouts for each player so mm-hmm. that you don't hear that the, you know, this why this guy isn't here or that guy's there. They have plans and they're they're sticking to it. Okay.
4: Oh, when he's been at his best, he averages around 22 touches yeah. a game, carries and catches combined,
5: 22 a game. Do we expect that for 16 games this year? I, I think you can expect that. I think 22, but it's, it's he might not be on the field for 80 snaps. He may be on the uh, field for 60 or 50 snaps. Instead of having to be on the field for 16 games, playing 80 snaps to 90 snaps a game, that's, that's it's not going to happen anymore.
2: So basically what, uh, what MJD is saying is that he's expecting Gurley to, to still get around 22 touches per game. He just may not be on the field quite as often. Look, I, I did the quick math. 22 touches per, per game averages out to about 350 touches for the season. Uh, it's about what he's averaged each of the last two years. Um, but his ADP has dropped. It was 1, 1.09 last week. It's 1.10 this week. Um, have we have we about reached the floor, do we think, for for his uh, his ADP?
3: The draft I did yesterday, he was a second rounder, a, a mid-to-late second rounder. And I was hoping he would follow me because I'd have grabbed him. And, and, you know, the, the thing here is that, uh, and, and I say it all the time every year, uh, the fantasy football community, we, we're a little squirrely. And <laughs> when we start to read the tea leaves on things, we start to, to really uh, devalue or or on the, on the flip side, increase a player's value based on what we're hearing. And I get it. You know what we saw at the end of last season. Was not good, um, you know. The, the word arthritic, you know, we don't like to hear that. That's not good. Nope. Uh, the Rams uh, matching the offer for the Lions for Malcolm Brown and then moving up to get Darrell Henderson, you know, not good. It all seems to to mean that Gurley's is going to see fewer touches, and I think Gurley will see fewer touches. But here's the thing: this is still one of, if not the most electric running back in the entire league, and they want to keep him fresh year round. Okay, I get it, but Todd Gurley getting Eight. And can we can we really see him averaging fewer than 18 touches a game? I mean, like, really?
2: Not if the Rams want to win. Really? I I mean, mean, like, so I know they want to keep him fresh, but they still got to win games.
3: And you're talking about 22 touches a game the last two seasons. And of course, at the end of last season, he was banged up. But um, I'd still take him at the end of the first round. And if he's there in the second round and he falls to me, I'm going to take him. I don't mind taking that risk. Uh, Listen, I'm going to I'm going to go for the home run. (laughs) <laughs> OK, and if you're going to be scared to draft them, then don't draft them because there's different types of fantasy owners out there. There's guys that want to completely avoid risk at all costs. And I get it. And then there's all the ones like me that see Todd Gurley in the second round. I'm like, dude, I'm grabbing him. I don't care. I, 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 I just, like, you know, I'll cover myself. OK, I'll try to grab Henderson as insurance. I'll do these kind of things. I did that in our draft where I, I end up getting Gurley. I think I was seventh or eighth overall. Mm-hmm. And then I got Henderson. I think it was like in the eighth round. Um, which is probably as high as I draft him uh, in a ten-team league, and so I, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about it. Right. And, and again, you know, I've, I've said it a million times. There's people I know that know Todd. Todd's healthy. Todd said it. He had a quote yesterday. Like, this is a this is a small problem compared to the problems he had with the knee in, in, in college. He's not an old dude, and we're not going to see him in those
2: in, days. We're he's not, not going to see him old much. Old guy in chronologically. I get it. I get he's it. He's football old though. So.
3: I, I, it comes down to, and what's your disposition on this? Are you a guy who likes to take chances and hit the home run? If you are, Gurley's there at the end of the first round or in the second round, take him. If you want to completely avoid risk, avoid them altogether. That's what Graham wants to do.
2: Um, in fact, I, yeah, I see the quote right now, actually coming across my, my Twitter timeline. I had bigger problems to worry about coming out of college. This is small. So- see? <laughs> so this is that is from the mouth of Todd Gurley. You know it's weird because we're getting to a point. I mean, if it if it keeps dropping his ADP, Todd Gurley might end up being a a bargain, a draft value. No, that's right. Wild,
3: and that's that's the insanity of the fantasy football world, especially the industry. It, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. We'll probably talk about that with with Bob Harris uh, coming up, but it happens all the time. And you know there there's players that start shooting up. It's like like James Washington, for example, and and everyone's all into him. And maybe it maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't. But Gurley is certainly a guy that people are really starting to get down on. Not myself, uh, so much, but. I'm looking for the value in this.
2: I have a feeling what what will happen at some point it will bottom out maybe you know early second round and then it'll start to come back. But by the time we get to August mm-hmm. um, you know even if even if his ADP gets down into the second round I think by the time we get to August he will be still uh, back into the it's, first round. It's,
3: so it's kind of like Tyreek, right? So Tyreek like we were like uh, he ain't playing. He's not playing this season. Not playing. Now you hear you know, that the, the, the criminal investigation has is, is been concluded. Right. So now the NFL's got to do their investigation, and the NFL is, is going to suspend him. I think it's imminent. We don't know how many games, but in the draft that I was in last night, and, I, and I'll, I'll mention this draft because it was the most recent one I've been in, like he went, he was, he, it, 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 you, had, you had Sammy Watkins, and then Hill was very close to being uh, drafted near Watkins because wow. Watkins has moved up. Mm-hmm. So Hill's moving back up. Like, I, I saw Hill going eighth, ninth, tenth round. Now I'm seeing him go in the seventh round. And maybe he's worth that because people, uh, unless he gets suspended for the year, we have no idea. No idea. we're, We're just guessing at this point. But that's what happens. You know, it's kind of ebbs and flows. It's like the stock market. So right now... Hill's value is going a little bit up and Gurley's value is starting to drop a little bit. And we're going to see players uh, like that in mock drafts. And Marcus and I do them all the time. And and we will send them out to you and let you guys know sort of what the industry, what the high stakes folks are thinking. And and right now they're thinking they're down on Gurley. They're moving uh, Tyreek Hill up a little bit. James Washington is certainly
2: moving up. There you go. So uh, speaking of which, uh, we will talk to a guy. Let's go talk to a guy, by the way, who uh, maybe has an opinion and uh, some interesting thoughts on some of this stuff. Joining us on the phone right now, he is the senior editor at Football Diehards. You can hear him hosting a show on Sirius XM. You can find him on Twitter at Football Diehard. He is one of the smartest and best people in this fantasy industry and friend of the program, Bob Harris. Bob, welcome. Thanks for just stopping by and joining us for a little bit.
6: Marcus, thank you, Fab. Hello. Um, Hello, my friend. Let me just jump in first and say that I'm I'm mostly sad the Game of Thrones is over because <laughs> I missed the recaps. You guys did the best recaps out there, and they were awesome. Although, I will say, let me just chime in last episode quickly. You know, when I was a kid, there was a show called The FBI, starring Ephraim Zimblis Jr., <laughs> and every episode ended about 10 minutes early, then he came back and they added an epilogue. That last... 45 minutes of, of Game of Thrones was the epilogue. Nobody cares. That's <laughs> yeah. When the dragon flew off with Denarius.
3: You know, and, and before we get into uh, talking about some mock drafts that we have done and some other topics uh, in the world of fantasy football, people might not know this, but Bob Harris is the hardest working man in fantasy football, and he does it for two reasons. One, because he likes to travel. So you've got to work, you've got to make that cash, so you can travel. And secondly, <laughs> he has a cat that would probably cost about a week's worth of pay to feed (laughs) this cat is from outer space if you don't follow bob on twitter uh or on social media you've got to do it just to look at his cat that how how much does that cat weigh right now that's about 30 pounds of cat (laughs) it's a cat (laughs) 30 pounds
6: thick they say say.
2: yes exactly he's he's thick he's at you know what garfield is his role model right i don't know about thick. that's a big cat fluffy
6: (laughs)
3: <laughs> um, oh that's so amazing. definitely check that out because when i saw that cat i thought it was photoshopped <laughs> that
2: that is amazing and i'm glad you started with the game of thrones stuff because that's actually where i was going to start so you you kind of like it's almost like you were reading my mind there so i jacked the show as always that's great um <laughs> so we all just did a mock draft uh thanks to uh, the folks at my fantasy league a ppr mock draft and you bob sitting we were sitting in the one spot overall um you went to Saquon Barkley, not really a huge surprise, but it did kind of lead me to wonder. Uh, we have spent a lot of time on this podcast, and I know a lot of fantasy podcasts have wondering what to do with Todd Gurley, where he's going to fall, how people are viewing him. So I want to get your thoughts. Where do you fall in this Todd Gurley conundrum right now?
6: So there, you know, two seasons ago, I wanted, I was mad that I wasn't getting a better discount on Todd Gurley coming off the the that last four seasons under Jeff Fisher, and I was avoiding. This season, I'm seeing the discount is starting to really, you know, become steep. You know, that middle second round, I'm starting to go, damn. And, uh, you know, I used my same old tired cliche. At some point, I want to be the fantasy fireman, run into the burning building of value, (laughs) and grab the body out.
1: Mm -hmm. And
6: Gurley's starting to look like that guy. Um, And it was interesting, just this past weekend, I was talking to Joe Vesey of the Ventura County Star. And he's a a pretty, you know, beat writer, but a pretty dialed-in fantasy player as well. And he reminded me of something I try to remember every single day this time of year. We're looking down a drinking straw. We're looking at minute by minute. You have to step back and look at the big picture. Look at the numbers Gurley produced while he was on the field last year. Granted, the uncertainty creates issues for us, right? I mean, you know, oh, is he going to disappear for a game? Be more mindful and think a bigger picture and look at the time when he is on the field and the workloads there. And I, and I know, you know, Your own Maurice Jones Drew, the network analyst, has talked to really recently. And, you know, they're downplaying it. There's a lot of downplaying going on, right? And and our angst is is going counter to that. And I get it. But just mitigate the risk, right? And if the value is right, don't be afraid to jump in. Uh, You know, not every first round pick, not every second round pick, not every third round pick comes through. So just, you know, you have to draft, you know, have a solid draft throughout. But don't be afraid to dive in when you see that value.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you, too, man. And we were in a draft last night for diehards, and I think he went in the middle of the second round. I was hoping he would fall to me. I, I don't even know that he's going to be a consensus first rounder, maybe until training camp and we start to get some clearer news. But I'm on board with you. And, and I've said this a million times on the podcast. I know people who know Todd, and Todd's not hes not uh, injured right now. He's not. And... The, the ridiculousness of the fantasy world, and, and you know we've been doing this for a long time, is that oftentimes people go nuts, okay? They go insane, and everyone jumps on a bandwagon no matter what it is. Earlier in the offseason, it was the H- Hakeem Butler bandwagon, and now right. it's the bandwagon of basically avoiding Todd Gurley at all costs and... I'm not there, man. Uh, if he's getting 18 to 22 touches based on his talent, I will take him all day long. And anybody who's taken Darrell Henderson in the seventh or sixth round is out of their minds.
6: Yeah, and, and I think as our buddy Mike Clay from ESPN pointed out, you know, he averaged 326 touches over the last three seasons. So out week 15 last season, to that point, he played 86% of the snaps, had 74% of the designed runs, run a route on 69% of the team's pass plays. Uh, 16% target share. All those numbers compared favorably to the previous seasons. The only difference was the missed games, and I get it. The uncertainty at this time of year, you know, blows us up into you know our, our brains. Uh, the lizard brain tries to protect us, right, and goes into defensive mode because we're we're just not sure. But I'll just remind you again. I, I want to stress, and uh, probably the thing, the biggest thing that I stress this time of year. Quit looking down the drinking straw. This is not a minute-by-minute minute situation. This is a big-picture situation.
2: Would this all be better? if I mean, look, not that we're going to stop doing this podcast or you're going to stop doing your radio show, but if we weren't looking at this on a week-by-week week basis, would, would we all be a little bit more rational about this kind of stuff? We look
6: at it – we do go deeper than that. We're looking at it minute-by-minute. Minute. <laughs> is literally blocked. I'm in mock drafts, and we're all in mock drafts, ongoing consistently, where you see a beat writer somewhere – you know, brought a glowing report or toss a little shade at a particular player, and you can see the adjustments going on. And I think one of the things that, you know, I have the advantage of, and I think a lot of people, if you're playing in a lot of best balls, if you're in 100 best balls, yeah, a little minute by minute is cool. You might catch a little lightning in a bottle. Um, But if you're just, you know, focusing on a couple leagues or you have one big league you like to play in, step back, think back to last year, Think back. I always remind people, listen to what the coaches and GMs say at the scouting combine. My experience over 3000 years of covering the NFL (laughs) has been that what those guys, you know, they lie all the time. Right. It seems like one of the few times they don't lie that they actually foreshadow and give us an idea of what's coming as what they say at the combine in February.
2: Well, looking at the rest of your draft, as we get away from, from the top of it here, you went with Zach Ertz top of round three, and, you know, Fabs and I were talking about this. No no concern about Dallas Goddard for you, huh? Uh,
6: no, none there. I mean, I, I, I do think maybe Goddard can play a greater role. This is kind of is the same offense that we see, you know, Frank Reich running in Indy where – Yeah, tight ends can all be valuable commodities. Um, I think there's a lot of targets there. I think in Zach Ertz's case, I'm after the consistent production. I know a lot of people are, and I do believe in getting one of the three tight ends, those top three tight ends, before I'm coming out of round three if possible. If not, I'm waiting all day long. But I I think the consistent production has been there for, for Travis Kelsey. Who, you know, in the drafts I'm in, if you're drafting with Sigmund Bloom, our buddy from Football Guys, you better draft him in the first round or you're not getting him, uh, (laughs) Kelsey. But but beyond that, I'm kind of hoping Kelsey and Kittle are gone and I'm getting urged as that third guy, uh, because I do think, especially in PPR and especially in tight end premium scoring leagues, you can't go wrong there. But just even in straight PPR, I want one of those top three.
3: So... You also drafted Brandon Cooks, and he was the first wide receiver in that L.A. Rams receiving core to come off the board, and there's been sort of a lot of debate which is the best Rams wide receiver to draft in fantasy this season. I have Robert Woods draft uh, ranked higher than him, and then I have Cooks in Cup, only because Cup, well, we have to see sort of how he's doing in terms of his return from the ACL. Uh, I may potentially move him ahead of Brandon Cooks. What made you draft Cooks ahead of Woods uh, and to a lesser degree, cup.
6: I don't think you can go wrong with any of them, right? And it just kind of maybe depends on where you're drafting. And I rank Cooks and Woods consecutively right now, right? And maybe you know, in a PPR league, maybe I you know I could make an argument for Woods. I mean, they go three wide so often in Los Angeles that it's it's hard to predict which guy is going to be the most productive. And the people who cover that team on a daily basis will tell you. There is no real wide receiver one. The wide receiver one is the open wide receiver. So, all things being equal, I like Cooks at that point in the draft. But if I had my total brothers there, I'm buying the cheapest option there. I'd probably buy Cup and probably try and wait. I just, you know, I believe in that draft. I was looking at what was available at the same time, and just none of it appealed to me. I like Brandon Cooks' upside as a big play threat, and uh, he's he's the last four years he's been, you know. Over a thousand yards, close to twelve hundred yards, and each of the last four years he's finished between eighth and twelfth among wide receivers. So he's beat his ADP on a regular basis. I'm on board with any of those guys, and you know, grabbing Cooks as the first one, not my usual tactic. I'm usually waiting till I get the cheapest uh, piece of that puzzle. And
3: it's got to be hard for you, man, because like I'm not even kidding you. Bob Harris does uh, in excess of what forty or fifty leagues a year.
6: I'll be in 30 redraft leagues. I'll be in – I'll have done a close to 100 best balls, oh. which is no big deal. They're set and forget. I know, I know, and I know. <laughs> but still. Yeah, I mean, but, it, you know, so I, I guess that's, you know, kind of the thing that I need to do is I need to draft well because, you know, truth be told, and this will not surprise anybody. When you're in 30 redrafts, <laughs> doing waivers is no mean feat. Oh right? my God. Dude, <laughs> You got to hire somebody to do that. Right. I mean, you're not often first in line. And, yeah. you know, and, and some of us, you know, in this business, you have a heavy workload on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when waivers are going on. Uh, and so you don't always get first in line, which is why I always say, my job is not winning championships. It's helping you win championships because I'm realistic.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I hear you. With and a lot and it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that, I mean, and I know there's people out there that do even more than that. Like, you know, Marcus oh, yeah. and I are doing somewhere between, what, like 10 and 15? Something like that. And people are asking us how, how we do it. And then I say, <laughs> I don't really know. Let, let me introduce you to my <laughs> friend Bob Harris. <laughs> well,
6: is there a- I think what you, what you try to do is, you you know, you, you pick a few leagues that are of particular interest. I know Marcus and I were in one that drafts in Canton. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a pretty big showcase league. You want to do that one, the Scott Fishbowl. That everybody's in, you kind of don't want to look like a chump there, and some of the pros versus joes, you want to show well, and I mean, you know, so there you you prioritize a little bit and and try to manage your time that way, right? So
3: so doing all these drafts, is there a particular player or maybe two that you keep running up on, and they're available, and you're like, Ugh, I don't
6: want this guy, and then you draft him. (sighs) Uh, yeah, I, there's a number. LaShawn McCoy. Yes, and, I, did that. <laughs> I did that yesterday in your draft, and I'm like, I don't want him. I don't oh, want man. him. I, and, and, you know, and I, I mean, even you're trying to, you know, sell yourself on the notion, okay, it's the eighth or ninth round for a starting running back, or at the moment, a starting running back. And yet, still, I feel filthy every time it happens. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I mean, he just, I mean, there's a handful of guys like that. He is the most notable. He's the one that stands out the most. There's more, I think I'm more on the end of guys that I really want to get a piece of that maybe I jumped the gun on a little bit. You know, Will Fuller's the guy, for example. I mean, he's played 11 games with Sean Watson. He has 11 touchdowns. I'm calling it a locked-in connection. And, <laughs> and, you know, when we all know the issues, It's just like drafting Tyler Eifer. I can't not. I mean, he's practically free, and I keep thinking back, and, and you know, one of my both a plus and a negative. I'm injury agnostic. I try to be. Look, anyone can get hurt any time, right? I mean, and, and so if you throw out chronic, you know, conditions for a player, I mean, look, if a guy's running down the field like Eifert was last year and it lands wrong on that ankle and it implodes, it's just a freak accident. I, I look at Will Fuller's situations is kind of the same. I mean, an ACL, sure, a broken clavicle, okay, broken ribs. I mean, is it a good look for a player? No. The best ability is availability. That said, there are other abilities, and Will Fuller has a whole boatload of them. So sort does of a guy like Tyler Eifert or Jordan Reed, these guys that are consistently get beat up, you know, and it's, 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 again, something that when you know that's coming and you know you're going to be taking those chances, you have to be ready to mitigate that risk, and sometimes it means investing more heavily in a certain position. And I think, you know, if you're drafting LaShawn McCoy, uh, I hope it's not as, a top two running back
3: on your team. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, team. he was my third and I still didn't like it. Um,
6: right, you don't feel good about
2: it. You know, so you talk about guys that, that you may be gravitating towards and a couple of guys that I have been gravitating towards in a lot of drafts have been Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. And, and I'm just kind of wondering because we all seem to love what Cliff Kingsbury is bringing to Arizona and, and everybody is hyped on Kyler Murray and what he could do in this offense, And I'm seeing the David Johnson resurrection in terms of his ADP. Yeah. Why is it that it just it hasn't seemed to catch up to guys like like Kirk or Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald, I guess I guess I, I kind of get mostly because of the age, but Isabella, it seems like those guys for all the hype around the Arizona offense, it seems like those guys are coming with a relatively inexpensive draft price right now.
6: So yeah, I'm going to tell you, Fitzgerald is one of those guys that I've been diving in on, uh, and, and I mean it's easy to forget we're what one campaign removed from a three straight hundred catch seasons, and I mean I think it's reasonable to wonder is that the product of Fitzgerald getting older or a horrible offense, you know, and I think it's probably the horrible offense is the, is the better answer. So I think with all these guys, the thing that you're liking uh, is that the Cardinals went all in on this. They got a coach, they got a quarterback, they drafted complimentary weapons. They brought in high speed guys, you know, both size and speed and Hakeem Butler and uh, just, just speed and as well. So look, I and you know, Kirk knows a little bit about the offense. Kyler Murray, I mean, if you're reading the reports now, looking down the drinking straw that I tell you not <laughs> to, uh, you will hear everyone, uh, when they're not comparing him to, to Patrick Mahomes, saying he knows the offense better than anyone else on the team. And and I think those things are all encouraging. But I think the most encouraging aspect about this, the thing that shouldn't be overlooked, is what the team did, the investment they made. And, the, and, and I think we're forgetting Keyshawn Johnson. They drafted as well as other wide receiver they're putting their money where their mouth is on this from letting go of a first round pick last year, firing a coach, bringing in a new coach with a, you know, with a certain, for a certain reason, going out and getting his quarterback. I mean, if nothing else, the fact that the team is all in makes this more of interest to me. And again, you know, not to get carried away, cause we're all late quarterback drafters and I think the world is coming to that point, but I'm okay drafting Kyler Murray around before everyone starts thinking about doing that and going back, and it's a, it's something I did a few times successfully with Patrick Mahomes last year. Maybe you've reached a little bit on that guy for that upside, and you can do that because you're going to get Phillip Rivers later. Last night, I got Cam Newton later. I mean, you know, you, you can always get a good quarterback late. We've learned that. I mean, even at some point, hell, you know, Derek Carr all of a sudden plays with a lot of really good guys, and I know I said the same thing about Eli Manning. If we thought all these guys were going to be great in New York, shouldn't Eli Manning be great? It didn't work out there, but in <laughs> Derek Carr's case, A quarterback who's going, what, 24th in ADP right now or something ridiculous? I mean, there's a guy who over the first two seasons of his career had more touchdowns than any other quarterback, not named Dan Marino. So, I mean, it's not like he can't get the job done. So I think when you're at that point of a draft, you can make these gambles. But as for the Cardinals... I I think I'm willing to invest in the fact that the team is so all in on this and let the chips fall where they may.
3: Uh, you mentioned Dan Marino, uh one of the one of the great quarterbacks uh back in the day when fantasy football wasn't as popular as it is now. He was the um, first
2: player I ever drafted in a fantasy football league. This was back in the like wow. the mid-90s, you know, before we knew all this weight on a quarterback stuff. But right. I thought I knew what I was doing. He was the first player I ever drafted. So, so you didn't get yeah.
3: like the 1984 Dan Marino. No, that I was did not. A little too soon for you. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of quarterbacks though, in our mock draft, you took Andrew Luck in the ninth round, which seems ridiculous. Remember this is a 10 team yeah. league. And he was the first quarterback off the board um, Patrick Mahomes, or, or since Patrick Mahomes was drafted earlier, I think he was in the third round. So we're we're seeing mocks where like Tom Brady's getting picked in the last round, or Ben Roethlisberger is not getting yeah. picked, or Kirk yeah. Cousins is not getting picked.
6: Yeah, is it time? Well, Kirk Cousins was the quarterback nine last year. Everybody, I, I think, know, you know, and we but we come away with this negative connotation because it wasn't all it was supposed to be given his lofty contract, and I think that's the point is. There are going to be quarterbacks. If you're in a 12-man league, you're going to get a good quarterback if you wait until the last round or a serviceable quarterback or a handful of quarterbacks. And you're going to be able to stream if something happens to your quarterback. And so I do think, you know, I saw, you know, Mahomes in the third round. Look, in home leagues, that's going to be, I mean, if he doesn't go sooner, people are going to be drafting him. I think Andrew Luck is a pretty reasonable quarterback, too, to get. And getting him in round nine, I felt really comfortable with. I think all the quarterbacks that went in round nine. I would be pretty comfortable with Uh, Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, even Russell Wilson. Although Russell Wilson's efficiency last year, wondering if he can carry that over. I'm wondering that same thing about, you know, obviously Pat Mahomes. We all know that the touchdown totals are going to be hard for him to hit again, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not going to be in the business of saying Pat Mahomes can't do anything after last year. So I'm just going to say I'm waiting a little later. But for guys like that, I mean, those are the questions you have to answer. I think guys like Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, or maybe a little safer place. I love Matt Ryan, too, going even later with Sir Cutter coming back in, the guy he had his most success with as offensive coordinator.
3: So as a fantasy community, though, considering the quarterbacks are so devalued, I mean, is it time for for us to be pushing two QB leagues as the norm, or at least or at least scoring changes, or something. right scoring changes, or, or super flex leagues? Um, because well, I, quarterbacks I have, I have become very, uh, very invaluable, uh, are, are, are far less valuable than they were in the past.
6: I do I think that is always the answer when you know when we find ourselves getting in a rut, like when you know when I started playing and you started playing in 1986 or whatever, you know, uh, you grab I mean, it was all about the running backs. Well, the game has changed. And the fantasy game has changed to the point where we even added a point per reception and that skewed things a little bit and changed up the whole dynamic there. Then we started throwing in maybe tight end premiums. I think two quarterback leagues, I love them. I play in a number of them. I'm drafting in a massive one right now uh, with a bunch of heavyweights who are, I've almost said something horrible. They're pulling my tail. <laughs> um, and, and, but I mean, I do like the two quarterback thing. And, and I think, you know, that's, that does change the game a little bit, no matter what the scoring is almost, you're going to see, you know, teams with two quarterbacks after the fourth round. I think, you know, that does change the dynamic noticeably. And I, I find it very enjoyable. Awesome. Well, Bob, as
2: always, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll find a new TV show that we can recap here, just uh, to kind of keep you interested and listening to our
6: pod. I'll watch the Deadwood movie about three hundred times, and that'll probably serve me well. Yeah.
3: See, I haven't watched that series, and everyone says it's so good. Um, So, some of the stuff that I've watched, uh, Dead to Me on Netflix is really good. I watched Chernobyl on HBO, which was really good. And th- so they, they just uh, did three more episodes of Black Mirror, and all three of them were kind of mm. bad. But, I mean, it's still worth I watching. I didn't like any one of the three, but th- there's some options for you if you're really hurting.
6: Well, I like to swear an iambic pentameter, as they do on English. <laughs> so everyone who speaks with me not on a podcast knows my proclivity towards the swear words. You don't so say. I, I, yes, yeah, I'm good with that. But also, I heard, I heard that Chernobyl was really good. But I'm waiting for Marcus to find one of the series of my childhood oh. like he did with the night stalker which i think was still one of the best things i saw on the interwebs in recent years yeah, I mean, is uh is catching up with that
2: i'll have to go dig up go you know see if i can dig up an old tv show that i can do like do, do
6: i from do... huh. jr
2: i'll have to i'll have to look into this mm-hmm. i will look into hey bob appreciate it man uh, take care we'll talk to you soon Thanks, guys. thanks pal thanks to bob harris for stopping by always fun to talk to bob uh, and just go check out his work if you haven't already go uh, go check him out he's a, a great follow on twitter a fun guy really smart at this fantasy stuff and Love uh, bob. has been doing it for absolutely ever um you know a couple weeks ago on this show we talked about the 40 yards of gold the uh, the the racing thing with all mm-hmm. the, the the players um I, you know, who knows if that actually is going to happen because I'm sure teams don't want their guys uh, out there running or anything like this. But uh, other challenges on the internet that may or may not happen that are sort of fun and interesting. Uh, you were telling me this. Justin Bieber called out Tom Cruise and wanted to fight. Yeah. He, like, I'd like to see
3: it. I mean, why the hell not? That would be kind of fun. I think Cruise would mop the floor with Bieber. He's 31 years older than him. I
4: agree. don't care. He's turning 57 in yeah. July. Yeah, I think I, would, think, I think I think he's would, would win, mop, but I think it, he it's, it's insane though how like old he is, but he looks like he's he looks the same. Me. It's insane. It's and,
3: and you would think that over the years with all of these movies that Tom Cruise has done, that he's picked up, you know, a few moves. Right. Well, he doesn't you know,
4: stunts, which I think right. is, like he like, he's, likes being a physical like specimen. Like he does, he, like he is a guy that wants to do physical activity. So I, I think he would win, despite him having a severe height advantage.
3: So like, advantage. right? Yeah, because Chris is like, I mean, he might be shorter than me. He's like five, 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 oh, six. Oh, I got so. a beat. I got. But why? Why did he like? Why did Bieber challenge him in the first place? I don't even know.
4: I don't even know if anyone knows that. I have no idea.
3: <laughs> Maybe, so, so, so here's here's a, a funny thing, right? We saw this on the internet. I was talking about it before the show. So. Which celebrity would you challenge to a fight? Who's thirty-one years older than you? Now you're a young man, okay? Marcus is Marcus is a younger man. I'm a, I'm, I'm an older guy. Well, not older, but you know I'm 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 on the back nine. The oldest in this room. I'm on the area. back nine, right? I'm on nine, but I'm on the back nine. Um, <laughs> I was looking up, I was looking up celebrities uh, who are seventy-seven years old. Bernie, Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Fabs against Sanders. How about
2: that one? Uh, <laughs> Paul si- Paul Simon? Well, I mean, does Paul Simon get to bring his guitar? Because that might be a honky tonk man, me. Yeah, something.
3: Right, Barbara Streisand. I'm not fighting a woman. Um, uh, who else we got? Wayne Newton. Okay. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of guys in here. I don't. Oh, David Bradley, who was the actor who played um, Eddie, oh, Game, okay. of Game of Thrones, uh, the, 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 who, who betrayed, who betrayed. Um, uh, the the Starks. I'll just Google it. I can't here. remember. I, uh, I'm oh, the-
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, one of the phrase. Freys, Freys, Freys. Yeah, yeah, Walder yeah. yeah. Walter Frey. Yeah.
3: So, boy, man, this is making me feel old. I'm done. <laughs> so I'm i done. Michael Bloomberg,
2: Ro- Roger Staubach. I wouldn't I, fight him. I I'm like him. I'm looking up people who are 31 years older than me. Uh, one that I would not fight for sure is Sylvester Stallone. Oh man, uh, he would. But by the way, the, if you didn't, if great. you
3: don't follow Stallone on Instagram, he posted a video of. I don't know how the hell they did it. It was so cool. Of uh, like Terminator 2, except for Stallone was Terminator. It was, wow. you gotta look it out. It's so cool. Huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I saw Stallone at um, uh, at a restaurant in Beverly Hills several years ago. He is
2: all upper body. He's got like yeah. little girl <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> legs, but he is all upper body. I've seen him. He, he, yeah. he, he skips leg day. Yes. He definitely skips leg day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Him, and, uh, him and Carrot Top, another one who skips leg day. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but other uh, people that I that I might actually challenge to a fight who are, who are 31 years old, Pat Sajak. Yeah. Is he <laughs> 77 now? He's 70. Well, you 72. Mean, 72 so like, oh, oh
3: 72. I'm oh, sorry. Soon yeah, 60, to be 73. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: But even still, 72. Yeah. No, I, like, I mean, fa- fa- Pat, Pat Sajak, <laughs> he, he can come get some of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Who else do we have here? Uh Huh, oh, man. There's, I mean there's a lot of people here. Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Wow. I mean, he might not be sober, so that might not be a fair fight. <laughs> Steven Spielberg? Yeah. Really? Um Wow. Oh. Uh let's see. Alan Rick- well, Alan Rickman's no longer living, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't fight straight. You can't 24. you can't fight the dead, so that uh, Reggie, well, G- Reggie Jackson? Mean, I don't I mean, know. I don't know if I'd fight, if fight Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Jackson. I'm not sure I'd fight Reggie Jackson. Thank you, legend. You know, um
4: I I googled actors so uh, my I'd fight a 58 year old actor and uh, there's I think mine wins just because of name value I would fight Eddie Murphy who's 58 years old absolutely
2: absolutely I
4: mean that fight sells itself Eddie Murphy versus Eddie Murphy but I I have George Clooney. Uh, yeah. Michael J. Fox. I mean, I don't. I don't. No, you're mean, not. I don't no, you're not to, don't do not no you are not do not want to go that path. Yeah, I'm
2: not. I'm not going that okay.
4: route. And then uh, another uh, Sean Penn. So it'd be. I don't know, man. Sean, Sean Penn. He's, he's a crazy. He's dude. A yeah, dude. psycho.
2: Yeah, Sean.
3: Penn. Like, like I feel like, and you know, our Eddie Murphy, handsome guy, and he's in good shape. I, I there, there's some people on there. I think you're gonna take. Sean I'll, Penn's not one
4: of them. I want to see the size though. If I have, if I have Sean Penn by quite a bit, then I'm gonna. But Sean Penn has, yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's only, got that psycho. He's only five eight though. But I got I, like he's got a, he's four got four inches on him.
3: I don't know, man. The marbles may be a little off there. It's <laughs> true, yeah.
4: Yeah, you're right.
2: You don't want to fight crazy people, man.
3: That's, yeah, that's, you
2: don't want to do that. That's not a good.
3: If push. he's
4: like five eight under, you know, he's like a buck eighty five. I got him by height and weight. I don't know. I, I I take my chances, but I agree with <laughs> you are saying the the crazy factor is something scary. But the Eddie Murphy versus Eddie Murphy would be. Uh, I mean, that, I don't know if I want what. I wouldn't want to fight him though. I want to just like shake his hand and be like, yeah, you know, I go through life now (laughs) disappointing a lot of people that my name, uh, that I share your name.
2: Oh man. Oh, but I'm saying that that fight, that sells itself, man. (laughs) Like it just, it really does. Um, Before we get out of here, uh, our poll for the week. Um, So. The the Warriors and Raptors playing game six uh, tomorrow night. Uh, it's the last game ever for the Warriors at Oracle Arena, which, you know, as somebody who grew up in the Bay Area, and to a lot of Warriors games there. It, it is kind of bittersweet. Um, you know, regardless of how that game goes, it'll be the final game there. Uh, but it did make me think if the Raptors win. Uh, that might be the end of the Drake curse, right? I mean, he kind of he kind of used it to his advantage, what needed the, the Eastern Conference Finals, wearing the the Sixers shorts, and uh, Kawhi Leonard makes the shot. The, the Raptors win. They go to the finals. So this might be the end of it. So, but it made me think of what is maybe the biggest or most powerful sports curse that is still in existence, right? I mean, because the curse of the Bambino is over. Uh, the curse of the Billy Goat ended with the Cubs winning a World Series. So the ones that may or may not still be in play, right? they got the Drake curse, mm-hmm. uh, the SI cover jinx, although some people say that that maybe has faded. Uh, the Madden cover jinx, which, again, is is still up for debate whether or not that exists. Uh, and then, you know, for, for us Twitter rap fans, uh, Lil B, the based god, who goes on Twitter and they basically will say, you know, he will curse people. He's cursed James Harden and Chris Paul, uh, and that's part of the reason I think the Rockets can't really get anywhere in the playoffs. Um, you know, and he will... On the other side, he will also bless people, too. So that that gives, you know, you, you get Lil B's blessing and you can kind of move forward. That one seems to kind of still be enduring. So those are the four I came up with. Always open to other suggestions. Um, you know, if you guys have any, if you want to hit us up on Twitter with suggestions as well. Uh, do we have the the, the last week's, uh, by the,
4: the, the uh overwhelming winner. I mean, I'm sure you could guess who won on that one by a lot, right? Uh, the one that we all kind of said here.
2: I'm trying to remember what, what Black. Oh, no, it was uh,
4: it was uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He oh, yeah, the, uh, the, the game show, the,
2: the Jeopardy one. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Yeah,
4: I'll give my vote for this. I love this one. Uh, the Madden Curse is something that people my age, like growing up with, because like Madden used to be on the cover himself. Yes, yep. and then mm-hmm. they started adding them. I mean, and mm-hmm. people still say like. In terms of the season, who broke it was Megatron, but then he kind of retired early, so it's like kind of. Didn't Larry Fitzgerald,
2: I think, kind of break Fitzgerald it? Fitzgerald
4: kind of did too. What people said because like they lost the Super Bowl and uh, like so it's like a half curse thing with them. And uh, I know Paul. He shared the cover with Paul. Yep, that's here, right. Though. That's so right. So it, it's
3: it yeah. is it is crazy though. Like I used to write columns about it. Like I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is my 20th year doing fantasy coverage, and I used to write columns about it. Like every year, without fail, I did it. And, you know, back in the day, like, like Eddie George, Dante Culpepper, Michael Vick, Vick, uh, Marshall Falk. I'm just trying to go through some of the names like it, it, like every damn season. Like, uh, I don't think it affected Ray Lewis. I think McNabb was on there.
2: What, um, I, what I think is random, though, like because you have all the guys who were on Madden covers, right? And all of them were, were generally pretty big stars. You got the one year with Peyton. Peyton Hillis, Hillis yeah. yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that Hillis was but that was
3: guaranteed. Like there was a regression was guaranteed. There was no way I was drafting Peyton Hillis that year. Uh, Vince Young was on it. Um, yeah, now,
2: uh, like I mean, literally, you look I, back twenty years, and you can see like you can make a case for you, all these other guys. And you'll be like, who's Brown? 2012 Trees. cover. Like I wish I
4: was in the boardroom of like the people at EA who were just like, all right, like I, that year, who yeah, was like on the big. Do board? of who went, who, do it? Who wanted Peyton Hillis? Like who was in Peyton Hillis' camp that was like we got to get this guy in the cover? I'm sure. And after the 2011 season, there was definitely a player who was way better than Peyton Hillis to be on that that cover. Like mm-hmm. I, that one made no sense. Breeze was
3: on there too. Breeze. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember if that was the year that the Saints. He. That, I remember he had like a lot of interceptions that that following season. But I don't know that it was it was horrible. But yeah, I mean this thing like it had it had endured. Season after season after season and people were afraid of it. And then, you know, they started going with some defensive players. I think Richard Sherman was on it one year. Yeah. Um, and and then now we're kind of I mean, Gronkowski was on it when? Uh twenty
4: seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. You know? So he so, gets some injuries. Like they're they're so wait, they're, wait, wait, all wait, wait, of wait. them are kind of loosely besides really Tom Brady. Right. Every Every guy on the cover, I mean, what did Drew? anything happened with Drew Brees? Oh, I guess they, yeah, they he lost had, the he had Seahawks.
3: A, he had a bunch of picks that year. I they think. lost
4: the seven or nine Seahawks, too, and he had the franchise-high 22 picks. Yeah, he was cursed. So, yeah, I mean, it really, besides Brady, everyone has a loose kind of way they were cursed. Like, with Odell being traded, kind of in a weird way, and, like, Gronk with the injuries, retiring early. Sherman lost the Super Bowl. Like, there's a lot of weirdness about so that cover.
3: It, and Mahomes is on it right now. It's, it's this year's it's Mahomes. Mahomes. So then, so then here's the thing. Not drafting Mahomes. But Mahomes, Man. like, <laughs> Mahomes is the guaranteed regression. I don't care if you— if
2: he, he's not going to throw fifty some odd touchdowns right, exactly. this year. Like, yeah, he's coming <laughs> off the best season
3: ever, like for a fantasy quarterback. We don't know about Tyreek Hill, so like that one, you can't really say if. I mean, is, if, unless he gets hurt like really bad, which hopefully him, he doesn't.
2: Short of him, like you know, throwing thirty picks or something like that. Like I you mean, know, if he if he comes out and he throws you know thirty five touchdowns and like you know eight or ten picks, like that doesn't count. Like well, that's not a. Good what answer. happens if like
4: um, a lot of people are really high in the Chargers? Let's say the Chargers win the division this year, and if, like say the, say for some reason the Chiefs win nine or ten games, but like don't make the playoffs, would you count that as a curse? Ooh, maybe. Mahomes? Possibly. I think, I, I think that actually could happen.
3: Yeah. I, I'm more of looking at the statistical side of it and if okay. a guy actually like, you know, reaches uh, previous heights and whether or not, you know, he he gets hurt because that's that was a big one. Like guys just kept getting hurt. Right. So I don't know. It was weird. It was almost like, you know, like any anybody that was on that that cover, everyone just, was like, yeah, stay
0: away.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I want them." Stay away. So oh, there you go. Drake yeah. curse, SI cover jinx, Madden cover jinx, Lil B, the base god, curse. Uh, yep. Vote, vote, tell friend, all that good stuff. So there you go. That's it. We're done. Thanks to Bob Harris for stopping in. Again, check him out on Twitter at football Die Hard. We appreciate you downloading. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate review. And remember, you're not lazy. You're just on energy saving mode. We'll see you next week. <laughs>